Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. What is up, everybody? How are you doing? What's up, fellow animal lovers? I, uh, well, that doesn't sound good. Fellow people passionate about animals, what's up? Thank you so much for taking the time, as always, to listen to the show. Okay, folks, I am so excited today because we are covering an animal that I have always loved. Today, we're going to talk about giraffes. Now, I know a lot of you obviously have probably heard of giraffes, but did you know that giraffes are actually in trouble? Giraffes are going through what scientists say is a silent extinction, meaning these guys are going extinct without anyone really realizing it. And it really is something to consider because if you think about it, we've all heard, of course, of elephants and rhinos and what's going on with the poaching crisis. Of course, elephants for their tusks, rhinos for their horns. But giraffes are kind of forgotten about. And I thought, you know what? I really need to highlight this on the show because people are just in the dark about this. And what completely blows my mind is that in the world today, there are four times more elephants than giraffes. There are only 111,000 giraffes left in the wild. There are four times more elephants in the world. And yet no one knows there is a serious decline. They've declined by over 90% in the last century. So I wanted to highlight them. So on today's show, we have Dr. Julian Fennessy. He is such an awesome guy. And he is the founder of the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. Him and his wife decided to put this organization together. And it's the only NGO that solely focuses on giraffes. And him and his wife are just raising awareness. And I absolutely love talking to him about giraffes. He goes into the different types of giraffes because up until recently, we thought there was only one species of giraffe. Now there's actually four different species of giraffe all throughout Africa. Uh, we also talk about some fun giraffe facts. I know you guys are going to love it. And I promise this is not like going to be a depressing podcast interview. You guys are going to learn how you can help giraffes at home. Let's say you're in the States, like, you know, I'm here in Idaho. Find out how you can um, help save giraffes in the wild. Before we get to the show, as always, please make sure to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. The reviews actually really, really help us out because it gets the show out there. And I love the reviews where you say, hey, I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I like this episode and it helps other listeners. It helps reach other people passionate about animals. Also, uh, if you haven't already, make sure to check out my social channels at Corbin Maxi, C-O-R-B-I-N-M-A-X-E-Y on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and folks, it is official. I am now on TikTok. I know for some of you are probably like, Tick who? A tic-tac? What? No, at TikTok, it's this new social media app that all the kids are talking about. It's actually really fun. It's basically just short video formats. And so you can find me on TikTok, uh, Corbin underscore Maxi, because apparently there's another Corbin Maxi in the world. I had no idea. We should reconnect. Long lost brothers. Anyway, um, with that said, uh, let's get to it, you guys. Let's get to the show. Please welcome to Animals to the Max, Dr. Julian Finnessy from the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. Dr. Julian Finnessy, did I say that correct? Finnessy, like fin as in the, uh, you know, the, the brandy Finnessy. with an F. 
Oh, okay. Oh, like Hennessy, but Fennessy. Okay, I love it. Okay, I'll do another yeah. intro. Dr. Julian Fennessy from the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really, really appreciate it. No, it's great to be on, Corbin. Really appreciate that. Uh, get the opportunity to spread the word about giraffe. Yeah, so I actually messaged you a few months ago because I was reading National Geographic and there was just a brief mention of just giraffes and this silent extinction. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I need to reach out and have someone on the show talk about this. Can we just, just let's just get into it. Let's talk about this silent extinction. So the term uh, silent extinction was something we coined a few years ago when we realized that the numbers were dwindling. You know, over the last 30 years or so, we've had a drop of about 30-odd percent of giraffe in the wild and estimate at the moment about 111,000 in the wild. And you compare that to something like elephant, which we all know are endangered and highly threatened, there's actually four times more the amount of African elephants in the wild than there are giraffe. Wow. Why is that? I mean, because I feel like, and you know, I've, I've been to Africa, I've been fortunate enough a, a few times, and I think a lot of people who've never been, they think that there's animals everywhere in Africa, and it's this big nature documentary, and in reality, it's not. There's a lot of fragmented habitats, and you know, it's not really what you see on National Geographic. So, I mean, why do you think that is? I think that's the reality. There's, uh, you know, media obviously portrays one thing, and tourism is, uh, you want to see that when you come to Africa, you're going to see animals everywhere. And giraffe, you know, what we call this forgotten megafauna, they, you know, everyone just assumed they were everywhere because you go to some of the big parks out there, whether it be Masai Mara in Kenya or the Serengeti in Tanzania or Etosha in Namibia, and you, you see giraffe. But unfortunately, outside of those core protected areas, it's really fragmented landscapes. There's increased uh, human population growth resulting in loss of habitat throw in there the odd little bit of poaching and disease. And unfortunately, giraffe are struggling. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of meat on a giraffe and throughout East and Central Africa, um, they've been caught up in the civil war and unrest and been used for war fodder, unfortunately. So numbers have been dwindling. Okay. And when did we start realizing like, oh my goodness, like these giraffe numbers are just plummeting? Yeah, I think we'd, you know, out there, the numbers of giraffe have estimated in the, how would I say, 30 years ago in the mid 80s, uh, an estimate of about 150,000 giraffe. But for many people, that didn't really mean anything. Um, it was just a number on a piece of paper. And I think, you know, ourselves at the Giraffe Conservation Foundation came out and about 10 years ago and started to look at the numbers and what's really going on. And the more and more we looked at it, we realized, hang on, there is some serious issues here. But unfortunately, we don't have the, the press and the marketing like the big conservation mobs out there. Um, so, you know, we're just getting on and actually doing work rather than spending our dime on uh, getting the media attention. And unfortunately, giraffe have just gone under the radar. Yeah, and I feel, and I'm a member of the media, and I feel like, I mean, I've we've covered elephants before on this podcast numerous times. We've covered rhinos, but it's like, oh my goodness, like I've never had, you know, giraffes are just, just forgotten. And it's just... It's so weird because they are a megafauna, and you said it's just because you think people think they're everywhere. Is that the is that the is that why you think there's not that much media attention? Or I'm just trying to think because people love giraffes just like they love elephants, but they just don't get enough of that spotlight. So I'm just kind of trying to put put my mind around it, basically. Yeah, I know. There's a few things that we probably put it down to: elephant, lion, gorillas. They have really cool social structures where, you know, you see a dad, you see a mom, you see the babies all hanging around together. Giraffe are more like antelope. And so they have this uh, social structure that's quite fluid. They come together, go apart. 
Um, so it's not as human-like, uh, probably, and so the affinity with it's probably not that much. But in saying that, what I really don't understand is you get giraffe on everything, you know, little baby toys, clothes, marketing, beers, Olympics, everything. And yet, you know, I think it was just the assumption that they are everywhere and, you know, of course they're not going to go missing. They're just an ant big antelope type of thing. Um, and uh, I suppose when we came out with the numbers a few years ago, yeah, there was a lot of shock around it. And I think it's even more shocking when you put it down to the genetic work we've done to show that there's actually four distinct species of giraffe. So some of them are really threatened. Yeah, I just my mind was blown reading this National Geographic article. It was so amazing to learn that there's four separate species and they're quite different. Let's can can we go into that? Can we go into the four species? So about 15 years ago, you know, the American Zoo Association wanted to figure out what flavor giraffe that they had in their zoos so that they could manage them better. <laughs> I love that flavor. So, I love it. Exactly. And so what they needed to do is get some really samples from the wild and compare to what they had in the zoo. So we worked with some really good folks. Actually, one of them, Dr. Rick Brenneman, uh, who was at Omaha Zoo, was a big driver of this work. And, and, you know, they figured out a lot of things. But unfortunately, when it came to the crunch time, funding wasn't there and so they couldn't continue the work. So we picked up the pieces um, and now work with uh, a German lab called uh, Bic F or Zenkenberg Museum. And yeah, for the last couple of years, we've published some really exciting stuff and we've got another one literally coming out in the next couple of months that clearly shows that there is four distinct species of giraffe, um, a couple of subspecies, but those species uh, you know, split about two million years ago on the first time. And we put that in perspective of humans, you know, we're probably about 350, 400,000 years old as a species. So giraffe date much further back than that. And even the subspecies date further back than, uh, than what giraffe are, uh, that what humans are. So there's a big distinction and some of them look very different. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, so let's go into them. So we have the Maasai giraffe, which I believe I'm obviously I saw in the Maasai Mara. Correct. They're in uh, southern Kenya as well as throughout Tanzania and a small little population in Rwanda. Okay. And they, okay. And then you have the northern giraffe. And is that the most threatened right now, the, the northern? Yeah. So the northern giraffe covers basically all the giraffe from parts of East Africa all the way through Central Africa and one remaining population in West Africa. And those numbers are below 6,000 in the wild. Oh and God. there's three different types of giraffe. Um, but we've probably had about a you know 95% decline overall in that species of giraffe in just 30 years. Oh, man. Was, did there used to be a like a Western giraffe? Or are they now functionally extinct? Or am I... Maybe yeah, so the West know. African giraffe, okay. um, which is uh, a subspecies, it's called Peralta of the uh, northern giraffe. Yeah, they were down to 49 individuals in the wild in the 1990s. And they were only left in Niger, um, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. But what happened is the government started to work with local NGOs and international partners and said, we're going to save these critters. And what they've done and today, we've got an estimated more than 600 remaining in the wild um, and that's a true conservation success story and just last year we set up a new population of them in Niger as we try to create satellite populations for their long-term conservation success. Oh that's great and these are the lighter the lighter colored giraffe correct? Yeah they, 
they, they call them at times the white giraffe because they, okay. uh, you know, very white in color and they've got, looks like what they've got is white socks as okay. well. Um, they don't have any patterns below what we functionally term the knees. So, yeah, so they're pretty beautiful and they only live in and amongst community areas. There's none in any national parks or anything like that until we set up um, and sent eight to a new place last year. And we're going to build on that later this year again. So what, so the Western giraffe, a subspecies of the Northern giraffe, were these the ones that went viral on social media, like the, the white giraffe? Is that what I'm, you know, I'm sure you've seen that one <laughs> of like the giraffe and the calf. And it was like this, oh my goodness, I got tagged in it like a million times a few years ago. Is that the same is that we're talking about? No, that's actually a, uh, what's called a leukistic giraffe. Okay. So it's not albino, it's just, basically has no patterns and it's white that one was actually in uh, in eastern kenya um the one with its calf and the they, it's had a second calf actually which is really cool um really scary it's close to the, like the border with somalia um oh God. but the local community does an amazing job with the conservation of giraffe there they work with the northern rangeland trust san diego zoo global some really good partners helping out there to be able to protect uh, all the giraffe, of, which is a reticulated giraffe in that part of the world. So that giraffe is still walking around. That leucistic giraffe is still around? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's got a brother or sister as well, which is super cool. Oh, my God. And where is this again? You said it's in Kenya? In eastern Kenya, yeah. Sort of in a bitty, bit of a dodgy part. So uh, not too many people want to go out there on safari. So it's probably the safest things for it. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. It's to totally sidetracked. Okay. Uh, so then we have that, we have the reticulated giraffe. Yep. So the reticulated giraffe basically runs through Northern Kenya, um, goes into Somalia, into okay. South Ethiopia. So, okay. and they, uh, they've also dropped in numbers. So estimated about 15,000 or so now in the wild. Hmm. Um, so they, they would be considered, uh, endangered for sure. Okay, and then the last is the southern giraffe. Are they the most numerous of our giraffe species in Africa? Yeah, it used to be Maasai giraffe. Uh, they used to number the most, uh, more than 70,000, but uh, they've dropped by 50% as well, so we consider them now to be endangered. But the southern giraffe, which consists of two subspecies, the Angolan and the South African giraffe, um, relatively they are booming. Um, and... This is really positive because in Southern Africa, whether it be Namibia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, South Africa, due to uh, different conservation policies and legislation um, has led to increased conservation in private areas, government areas and community areas. And giraffe populations have gone up by more than 150%. And so now they number more than 50,000 in the wild, which is super cool. And those numbers keep growing. Wow. Okay. So... A lot of people listening might not know that there were even four species of giraffe. How? No, I, mean, I think that's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, like, wait, there's what? And I'm sorry if I put a few people to sleep who are like, because I keep on going into it. But if you are interested, I mean, are there a lot of physical differences or is it just the patterns on their coat? Is that how you're telling the difference between these giraffes or is there a size difference? So historically, they thought there was one species of giraffe and nine subspecies. And they were basically told apart by their coat pattern um, and their geography where they lived, as well as their head structure. Some have got more horns or what they call ossicones on their heads than others. 
Um, and what we've been able to do is, surprisingly, use a little bit of science. It's quite a cool conservation tool to use these days and uh, better than someone 150 years ago looking at a couple of coat patterns who never went to Africa. Um, we use genetics to be able to figure out how different these types of giraffe are. And we've had more than a thousand tissue samples from giraffe across the whole continent and every major population we've sampled. So genetically, they're super different. But then if you look at the four main species, um, you can actually, if you get the perfect example, you can tell them apart pretty easily. The reticulated giraffe has a pattern which looks like a reticulated water system, very bold liver colors um, and very sort of, uh, how would you say, thin stripes in between those patterns, whereas the Maasai giraffe look very leafy like their patterns um, and uh, sort of not as bold color. They're more dark, brownish color. The southern giraffe are a little bit uh, more like the West African and the, the northern giraffe in general, um, in that they have sort of traditional looking patterns with bigger stripes in between, not as bold patterns. So, but you can't use that as a tool really to tell giraffe apart, because we often get people say, I think it was last week, someone sent us a photo from a giraffe in Kruger National Park and said, look, I've seen a Maasai giraffe down there. And it's like, well, you can't have it looks like a Maasai giraffe. So within each population, there is quite a variation across the skin pattern. So if that was to tell the nine subspecies apart previously, and now we've done sampling to show that we cannot tell them apart by looking at their coat patterns alone. Mm -hmm. So we then start looking at the head structure. And so we're looking at, uh, we're studying that at the moment, looking at how many horns they have. And interestingly, you can't tell the four apart you can split two of them, the northern and the reticulated, from the southern and the Maasai. The northern and the reticulated have much bigger horns on their heads, the males, okay. um, and they have a bigger middle sort of ossicone or third horn. Um, but you can't tell each of them apart. So we count that out. Geography, really important, but a lot of them have moved historically across the same area. But when we look at the genetics, we also have been looking at do they hybridize? Do they yeah, breed? Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. Do they breed? So breed? if you put them in a zoo, um, giraffe will be giraffe. And uh, if they're in a small environment, they might become very friendly with each other. And of so course. you do get hybrids. Um, but surprisingly, in the wild, from all our analysis, we have no proof that there is regular hybridization. And that is one of the final, you know, sort of nails in the coffin, so to speak to show that this migration between the species doesn't happen. They obviously just don't like each other. So there's got to be something going on. Maybe the coat pattern, they don't like each other a little bit. Maybe ecologically they breed slightly at different times or maybe they've got a different smell. Who knows? Yeah. It's a good mystery to have. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about giraffes. So when I first went to Africa, I, I went to Kenya and I had this awesome guidebook. And I remember reading my guidebook and it was like, the guy basically said, to be honest, giraffes are quite boring <laughs> behaviorally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not like offending you, but would you agree with that statement? I think uh, you could sort of counter that statement by a lot of people say, a giraffe really that clever? And, you know, they don't seem to be clever. And I would say, well, they've been around for two million years. So let us humans be around for at least another one and a half million years. And then we can probably answer that question. So yeah. they're clever enough to survive. And obviously they have lots of cool behaviors um, that they do, you know, I mean, they can kill their predators that are trying to attack them. 
you know, these days we obviously can probably kill a mouse, but not much bigger than that. We're all, unless we've got a tool that we use. Um, you know, they've got interesting social structures where they go apart, come back together, but it difference between, differs between population to population. So in some areas, boys like hanging out more together. Some populations, the ladies hang out more together. Sometimes it's mixed. So every place is different. They eat some of the most amazing food. You know, these acacia trees, which are now renamed Vachelia and Senegalia. They, and that's they a whole other them? story. They renamed the acacia trees? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's confusing. But as an Australian, yeah. we got the right to keep acacias. So everyone's ha- unhappy with me. They've got <laughs> nothing to do with me. So, but they, you know, these things have all got thorns on them, which are huge. And they put their tongue in there and pull it out. They've got like a fine dining sort of uh, diet compared to an elephant, which is more like a, I would say, you know, don't take offense, an American junk food diet where they just oh. eat bulk amounts. <laughs> so <laughs> the giraffe are more like the French cuisine diet. Uh, they're very picky and, and take little bits and pieces off, and, but high quality. See, and that was so interesting. When I was at university, I remember learning about giraffes and just their feeding techniques because they won't feed – I mean, and you obviously know this, but we learned that they'll only feed, you know, for so long at a particular tree, then they'll move, you know, away from the trees. And then we learned the acacia trees are talking to each, you know, to themselves and releasing, you know, chemicals in the air. And it, can we go into that? Cause that blew my mind, how it just blew my mind about this tree and giraffe and their relationship. It was really fascinating. It is super cool. So, you know, obviously trees have defense mechanisms like, you know, animals do. So trees, you know, in particular for giraffe, um, if giraffe are eating them, often in some areas, you know, trees have this like toxicity that flows through the air between trees and they produce these uh, basically tannins, which make it really unpalatable. And actually it can really poison the giraffe if they just keep eating them. But these trees essentially are talking to each other. And so when the giraffe moves on to the next tree, because that one doesn't taste nice, the next tree already doesn't taste nice, and so on and so on. So often what you see is that they walk not downwind, but they walk upwind. So the flow of those tannins and the smells and whatnot, um, you know, goes away from them. But that is one thing. But then, you know, they've set up these plants, really cool relationships with like ants. Um, And so in some of the trees, especially a whistling thorn in in, uh, East Africa, they produce, um, the the tree hosts these ants, which produce big galls, um, which are basically like, you know, protective houses on the plants, which the ants live in. And when the giraffe come and feed on them, basically it shutters or, you know, rattles the tree and these ants come running out and then they jump all over giraffe or whatever other animal is eating them, starts biting them. And the giraffe gets a bit peeved off after a while and then stops eating it and moves on to the next one. So it's a pretty cool mechanism to save themselves. Oh, so they, oh my goodness. So there's a relationship between the tree and the ants. That is so cool. I never even, that is amazing. It's cool. It's, it's been studied a lot actually in Kenya um, by some American researchers, uh, which uh, found out all this stuff. And that is super fascinating. And uh, I just think, you know, we know a little bit about that. So there's got to be so many more things that we don't know about, which makes it quite exciting. You know, that's what biology is about. It's the study of, um, you know, plants and animals. And, you know, the more we know, the more we can help save them. And uh, I think, uh, you know, if something's got a cool story, we like to protect it as well. So that's important.
Is that how you got into this field? Because you always were fascinated with biology or did you grow up and you're like, I want to work with giraffes? I had no interest in animals, full stop. That's the honest truth. Really? Oh, my <laughs> so, God. How did yeah. you get the job? This is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your honesty. We can't, we, we can't tell anyone. We'll just keep this between ourselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, so the reality is that uh, I was lucky as a 16-year-old to go to South Africa as an exchange student. Uh, my parents thought it would be a good English schoolboy education. Uh, Nelson Mandela had just been released, released from... Uh, prison and so this shows my age I'm a little bit older I reckon than you and uh, so it was a fascinating year I learned a lot and for the first time saw wild animals really because in Australia I didn't you know get out too much I kicked the footy and did all the normal things a kid does and yeah so I came back and I, I really thought well you know I don't want to spend the rest of my life behind a desk and did an undergraduate degree in biology, which was by far my worst subject at school. Um, I was <laughs> economics, accounting. I wanted to be a stockbroker is what I wanted to be. Um, I love I this. <laughs> so unfortunately, or not, um, you know, I sort of moved on and uh, got my degree. And when I was 23, I got a job with the Australian Development Agency in Namibia, where mm -hmm. I live today. And so I came over in environmental education, working with the government, um, and then moved on to another job here in the country as an ecologist and ended up doing a PhD on the side, looking at elephant and giraffe. Dropped the elephant stuff because the elephants are amazing, beautiful creatures, but uh, the people who study elephants have got egos bigger than the animals themselves <laughs> at times. Uh, <laughs> So, They've probably been yeah. on my show. I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Interestingly, a few years later, I actually did a lot of elephant work as well. So I know a lot of these guys, which is cool. But it's good to be open and honest. And uh, yeah, so and then got into more to giraffe because there was a gap there. No one was looking at them. And you know, many years later, I've done lots of jobs running NGOs, looking in land management, and you know, in. Ten years ago this year, we uh, started the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been, a, it's been a great ride. And I think uh, five years ago, we went full-time, my wife and I, um, Steph, and we realized that there was uh, a gap and let's give it a go. If we can uh, try and do more for giraffe, we'll do it one year at a time. And uh, fortunately for us, there's been some, some good support and uh, I think we've done some amazing, cool stuff, which is obviously just keeps going. And touch wood, it keeps going more. Yeah, well, thank you for your work because the Giraffe Conservation Foundation is the only NGO that solely focuses on giraffes. What is your end goal with this? Are you just trying to raise awareness? So giraffe in general, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, my end goal would be there is so many giraffe out there that we would be out of a job. That would be sweet. I'd, you know, live happily ever after. Um, but unfortunately, you know, like many things, everything is human induced and there's lots of problems. So, you know, human population growth is the biggest problem, but bottom line is we've got to stop breeding and we've got to stop <laughs> using resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I sort of, I've got two kids, so I stopped there, but maybe I should have, uh, I love them to bits, but maybe we shouldn't have had any and because there is just too many resources we are using in the world and, and we're very ignorant and, uh, we can see all the impacts of climate change at the moment and uh, the, I've just been in Australia and, and for the last five weeks and it's just massive, the problems that are going on there and I, I see you did a show on it. Um, so, yeah, so I think our end goal really is to 
I don't want to see giraffe going extinct on my watch. That's the bottom line. I want to make sure that we've got all flavors of giraffe living in the wild. We've got increasing populations. We've got governments, NGOs, academics that are all supportive. And uh, I think we've, you know, slowly starting to put things in place to uh, make these happen. You know, you can never say never, but uh, I think we're lucky enough to uh, get involved from the ground up, which is really bizarre for such an amazing animal that really no one did anything before for their conservation management. Yeah. And so you said that, so habitat loss is their, is their biggest threat. The, the increasing population and just habitat loss, that is what is threatening giraffes the most right now in the world. Definitely. Yeah. No, that, that's the, and then you throw in there, you know, obviously that habitat fragmentation. So, you know, if you've got loss, it's one thing. But when you've got large swathes of landscape and if you put a, a new development, whether it's a road, whether you've got a train line or a mining, um, you know, infrastructure, it splits areas where animals can move. So giraffe and other animals, obviously, their habitat becomes less and less, not just um, the whole area, but it's fragmented, so they can't move, they can't spread their genetics, um, and the population naturally will get less and less. So, and they'll start eating themselves out of house and home in some areas, so the numbers will dwindle. So, I mean, they're the biggest threats, but definitely poaching um, has been a problem in uh, across central and parts of East Africa over the last 30 years. Yeah, how do you go to these local communities and tell them i mean obviously you just want to say stop i mean but you can't like how do you tell them or explain to them how beneficial giraffes are is it is it mainly through ecotourism where you say hey listen you can make so much you know or yeah i mean conservation you know is is a groundswell you need to have the communities involved from from the beginning um so any work with that we do whether it's uh you know we start with a government to try and get their buy-in so we can develop a national strategy we can work with them but as part of those strategies, it has to be community-based. Um, Northern Kenya is a prime example. We work really closely with San Diego Zoo Global, Northern Rangeland Trust. On the ground, we have Twigger Walinzi teams, which Twigger Walinzi in Swahili means giraffe guards. Um, and the San Diego Zoo Global team are absolutely awesome. Um, and we've got lots of uh, community education programs out there. Part of it's just sharing information. Um, and that's the first step, then you can build on it. You can see you know, the attitudes, we can find job opportunities. There is obviously diversified income opportunities and all of these take time. So nothing happens overnight, but long-term community conservation, as we've seen here in Northwest Namibia, it's a true success story. And it really is the biggest development uh, program in the country here in Namibia is through wildlife conservation efforts. A lot of it linked to ecotourism, coming in there's now wildlife being reintroduced into community areas which is unfathomable in many parts of the world no one wants an elephant or a lion uh, walking around their place and these guys don't want as well but they can see the benefit and they're proud to have these animals back good that's amazing okay so let's end with some fun giraffe facts can you hit me with some fun takeaways actually hold on before we go to fun giraffe facts what is the most common misconception you hear about giraffes I was going to say common misconception is that Dr. Anton, who you had recently, he's scared of giraffe when you take him out in the field. No, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met Evan? <laughs> yeah, Evan came out uh, to, late last year to uh, capture giraffe with us in uh, oh, in Uganda God. for his for so, his for his um, Animal Planet show. 
No, he just came out as uh, for his social media. Um, we said, come out, get real life experience in the ground and come and tackle a few giraffe. And he did a little bit of vet work. And, you know, he's such a great bloke. And I was just laughing just before we got online. I saw that you'd done something with him. And uh, no, he's a really good bloke. And I think this is the nice thing. The community is full of really good people who can work together and uh, have much bigger impact than just as an individual. Yeah. By the way, I want to say, I think it's so cool that he's such a nice guy. And by the way, I, I didn't know how he was going to be. Cause if you get titled the sexiest man alive and I'm just kind of like, Oh, is he, is he going to be like an ass? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, cause I've, I've worked with celebrities who think they are just full of themselves. And so I, he was so down to earth. So awesome. And I love, like you said, he has such a massive following that he's sharing all this information about animals to people all around the world. So I'm, yeah, 100%. He's a great dude. He's got more muscles than I do, so I'm not going to complain too much. <laughs> I know. It's funny. He wants to come out to Idaho and help us with the alligators. And I'm like, let's do it. My wife's like, yeah, but what if he wants to float the river? Like, we can't be in bathing suits next to him. <laughs> like, we're fine. <laughs> that, that's very true. As long as the camera is not on you. But, uh, you know, he had a bit of a scuffle with a, uh, a little monitor lizard. And uh -huh. I say a little monitor lizard. And I think... I don't know. We'll give it 50-50. I don't know who won, but uh, it was quite fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, biggest, so common so, misconception yes, for yes. giraffe. Yep. Let's get back to that. What do people think? We have tour guides here in Namibia that tell everyone that when giraffe drink because their neck goes down, that their heart stops because otherwise the blood would pump all the way down to their head and that they would just fall over and die. Oh, okay. Really? So That's... that is a really bizarre thing. We often get people, oh, I just heard this from a, a guide. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Not. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, obviously, misconceptions also is that giraffe are everywhere. You know, giraffe are not threatened. They're not endangered. I get that constantly, especially from or including from, you know, people in the wildlife industry. Um, and I, I just find it sad. It's like, you know, well, let's have a chat about it. Um, but social media doesn't facilitate that. And, uh, so I think what we can do is only just open up and listen more, but you know, I think we know so little about so much. So I think absorb everything and, uh, giraffe have got a lot more to tell us in the future, which is super cool to, to continue with. Yeah. And I honestly, could not imagine going to Africa and not seeing a giraffe. They were one of the first animals I saw on safari. And it just, that's, that's Africa. I mean, that, that and an acacia tree is Africa. I can't think of anything else, you know? No, definitely. I mean, because I think if you think of the most iconic animals, you know, for Africa, you've got elephant, but they're also in Asia. You've got lion. They're also Asia and they're in Middle East. Then you've got rhino. They're across the world. Zebra, they're also African. So zebra and giraffe, and if you've got kids like me, when they grow up, they mix the two up constantly, which I have no clue. One's got stripes, one's got spots, <laughs> but one's tall, one's short, but all kids mix up zebra and giraffe at some stage. <laughs> so what are some fun facts? Like I know, I mean, can I hit you with a fun fact? I'm sure you don't know this, but, the, but the giraffe's tongue is dark colored. Did you know that? <laughs> But, but why? Well, because scientists believe, of course, to help like with the sun, right? To like, like a natural, like the sun, correct? So if that's true, but then, then be why do okapi, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But then why do okapi that live in the forest also have a dark tongue? 
which they would okay hold on let me get this because they have a dark tongue as well which it's they're in like in forests where they don't receive a lot of sunlight so why would they have a dark tongue um that's a really good question have you guys figured that out got no bloody clue oh but i, I think it's sorry. super cool <laughs> i think it's cool too oh my gosh <laughs> That is so cool. Okay. Yeah, because we always hear about the tongue and, you know, it's 50 centimeters, however many inches in uh, the non-metric system. Um, but, yeah, so that's something that we really just baffled about. Um, but, you know, it makes sense because they're feeding a lot to protect it from the sun. Um, but, yeah, other fun facts, you know, they have seven vertebrae, yep. which is just like humans. They're obviously much bigger. Um, they have a massive heart um, and they have the largest ventricle left ventricle i believe of any land mammal but wow. i'm happy to be wrong on that i don't know about the elephant but i know the giraffe is massive yeah what else i think what's super cool is that nasa studied giraffe to figure out how best to have spacesuits fit the astronauts because giraffe have a valve system and when blood flows through the blood can't go backwards because a little tiny valve, which looks like a little piece of tissue, mm -hmm. stops it moving backwards. And so it doesn't get pulled in the extremities, like down in the feet and up in the arms in giraffe. It just keeps pumping through because it's got such big blood pressure. And so what they did with astronauts is that they tightened all the ends of the spacesuits based on what giraffe um, physiology is. So that's pretty cool. I did not know that. Very cool. I have a few fun facts. If I am a listener right now, where is the best place in the world to go see giraffes? Like obviously Africa, but is there a certain park that you'd recommend? So I think there's a couple of really cool places and, you know, to see lots of giraffe, I've got to be biased here in North, in Namibia to go see a Tosha in a really oh. arid environment. But, um, you know, that's super cool to see them there. But then, of course, you've got Botswana's Okavango Delta, and then you've got Tanzania, Serengeti into the Maasai Mara in uh, Kenya. And then reticulated giraffe in northern Kenya is pretty special. They're a beautiful critter. Yeah, amazing. Well, do you have any last minute words of advice for anyone who wants to pursue a career working with giraffes? Or, or maybe, this is actually a really good question, because I'm, for instance, I'm based in Idaho. Have you ever been to Idaho, by the way? Uh, I've been to Iowa. Okay, yeah, so a lot of people, same thing. No, I'm kidding. It's completely different. But a lot of people are like, okay, Iowa, and we're just like, no, we're near California. And people are like, okay. Uh, so You got potatoes. Yes. Oh, that's great. We have great potatoes, man. We are the, we are the land of the French fry. Uh, so, <laughs> so if I'm living in the land of the French fry, I'm going to get so much hate mail for that, but it's fine. Um Dr. Finnessy, what can I do if I am not actively in Africa on the ground? What could I do if I'm living in Iowa or Idaho or wherever in the world? So your first thing, I reckon, learn more. I think okay. that's what we've got to educate ourselves. Get online, go to giraffeconservation.org, figure out what's going on with giraffe and with other animals out there. At home, you know, it's always good to Think global, but act local. There's lots of things we can do, whether it's reduce our plastics, whether it's reduce food consumption, um, go talk to your local zoo about supporting giraffe conservation in the wild. You know, maybe they have a feed a giraffe program. And the cool thing is, I reckon, if you go feed a giraffe, you've got this intimate, you know, sort of relationship now with that giraffe. And you just say, how about you donate some of that money to go help giraffe in Africa? Because now I know your giraffe. These should be the ambassadors for those in the wild. Yeah. Have you been to the Giraffe Conservation Center in Nairobi? 
Yes, no, we've got a good partnership with uh, the guys there and uh, we've been working a lot the last couple of years to help count giraffe around Kenya together and that place is super cool when you get this giraffe come and lick it out of your mouth. It's a little bit gross as well. Dude, I had the tongue in my mouth. The giraffe's name was Laura (laughs) and I was trying to like talk at the same time and my buddy was filming me. I swear to God, and Laura got that tongue. I mean, it was like tongue in mouth. Like, I mean, there's a video of it and I'm just like, like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, but they encourage people. Yeah, no, totally. So you obviously, you know, you got down and dirty in, in Nairobi. So that's pretty cool with a giraffe. Down and dirty Nairobi. I like it. Yeah, I think that's a great advice because a lot of people do have local zoos or if you don't have one in your area, even a few hours drive, you could probably find a zoo that has giraffes where a lot of them offer those feeding stations. And those encounters are amazing. I love those encounters. No, it's awesome. And, you know, together, I mean, we can obviously learn more. We can do more. People can donate online to help us. We have an amazing thing called World Giraffe Day. That's oh, yeah. uh, June is, 21st, right? Do you know that? And why? Do you know why? Oh, man. No, you're going to get me stuck just like with the Okapi's tongue. Why? Wait, hold on, hold on. Why is it June 21st? Why? Tell me why. June 21st. Because it's the longest day for the tallest animal. Oh, I love that. Man, did you so, trademark yes, that? So, longest day for the longest animal. I love that. Yeah, so, you know, my wife and I, we were sitting down, maybe have had a beverage or two on the couch <laughs> and figuring out why there wasn't a World Giraffe Day. And uh, so six years ago, we uh, came up with World Giraffe Day, and it's the biggest day for giraffe conservation in the world now. And this year, um, we're raising funds and support to help set up a new population of Uganda of n- endangered Nubian giraffe. Um, so we've got some good support from a bunch of uh, organizations already, but uh, it's a great day for everyone to celebrate, your local zoos celebrate, people, organizations get out there, learn more about giraffe. That is so cool because there's like a day for everything. Like there's like National Enchilada Day, today's National Hug Day. <laughs> like, no, seriously though, I'm so happy that you and your wife started that. Now, quick question. Can I come down and film with you and what could we do? Because I want to like, I have to one up Evan Anton for this one. You can, uh, we've got a great environmental education program right here in Namibia. Um, we, it's the largest environmental education program in Namibia. Okay. Um, we take about two and a half thousand, three thousand kids out into the field every day or over the year. So you, and, uh, you put me in charge of the kids. <laughs> You might, you might have some supervision. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I interrupted. Okay, so you have two to 3,000 so, kids. <laughs> I think it's super cool to, you know, educate, you know, the future leaders of, in Africa. So that's an awesome story to tell, I think, and it's all run by local Namibian staff. Um, and that's, you know, always good to time that with a, a trip up into the field. And we've worked the longest ever giraffe conservation program up in northwest Namibia. We've been looking at those giraffes since the late 1990s and, uh, yeah, go out and see if you can spot a giraffe or two. We do regular surveys up there. The team actually left this morning uh, with people from Oklahoma uh, Zoo, which is super cool. Okay. And uh, they'll be out there for the next two weeks uh, counting giraffe and we're just monitoring them all in community areas to make sure everything's going well. That's amazing. I would love to do that. I've spoken at an African school once in uh, Navasha in Kenya. And it, I had so much fun. The kids were like, wow, this person has so much energy. And I was like running around and the kids were like, so like, what's going on? But I had such a fun time. The kids were great. 
nah, it's always awesome. It's great to see a smile on these little dudes' faces. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. I know you're so busy. You're out in the field. I would love to get together someday in person. Um, the work you do, thank you so much for raising awareness. I really appreciate it. No, thanks a million, Corbin. It's really good to get the word out there and, uh, you know, everyone can be part of the G team and help save giraffe before it's too late. Absolutely. And if you're ever in Idaho, please give me a ring. Seriously, we can go get some French fries, some potatoes. Yeah, Idaho. Um, I'd love to. Just got to figure out where it is. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll send you a map. All right. Talk later, man. I appreciate it. Cool, mate. Take care. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.